But oh my god, it's 4.05, so I guess we have to do this. You ready, Griff? Yep. Live from Columbus, it's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Daddy Smiles, as Griff and I review the Happy Dad Hard Seltzer Variety Pack, Rage Through the Elements as we discuss newcomer deities from the planes of wood and metal, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. And we're live. We're live, baby. Yeah. How you doing today, Griff? I was doing better 15 minutes ago. Yeah, me too. I'm doing a little worse now. I am so nervous. (laughs) (laughs) You really just tossed a couple of loaded grenades, live grenades onto the table here, Steve. Yeah, absolutely true. Four of them to be precise. Oh boy. Well, let's just kind of reset things. Get my head back in the game. Get yours back in the game as well. We're here for another excellent episode of the Zone of Truth live. Thank you all for coming out who are joining us. We got a bunch of fun stuff to talk about today, but, you know, we've been up to some stuff. And I think we've been really busy the last couple of weeks since we've gotten together to have one of these. So, Griff, where do you even start? There's a lot that's going on. There is a lot going on. There's a lot that has gone on. Mm -hmm. Joint bachelor bachelorette party happened last weekend. Runaway success. Yeah, runaway success. Yeah, there was some, some schemery and tomfoolery that happened during that. Yes. <laughs> some uh, some dark liquid <laughs> and a couple of burned string fetishes. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, surprising no one. Obvious, normal, and integral parts of every bachelor party. Mm-hmm. Well, let, hold on one second. Okay. So, joint bachelor and bachelorette party, Griffin Haley... All our friends get together. We head down to a couple of uh, adjoining cabins in the Hocking Hills area of of Ohio. And we had a a fun weekend. We were spending time in the pool. We rented a pontoon boat, went out on the lake, had a whole blast of a time. And basically the entire time, somebody in the party, who who I figured out who it was finally, took me way too long. A schemer. The little schemer was basically setting it up like we were being haunted putting like little Blair Witch Project style straw dolls in trees around us and put like a mirror in the fireplace after the first night and then on the last night there was a bottle of liquor that just appeared and ringed in candles out on the lawn <laughs> but it was it was an excellent job well done to a little schemer it was a very fun time but yeah, that was that was great. I yeah, had a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And then b- besides that, last night the crew got together and saw Barbie. I don't know if it was my favorite movie that I've seen this year, but it was my favorite movie that's come out so far this year. I thought it was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, same. And this is coming from somebody who has, I, I can't say this enough, zero nostalgia for the brand. Like, I never played with it. You know, I was a household with just me and my brother. We didn't have Barbies in the house or anything. So, like, I know there are a lot of a lot of like the toys were just ported over into that and I I couldn't tell you like what was from a childhood and what wasn't I just thought it was a very well crafted hilarious movie and boy yeah there was like a lot of unexpected like meta stuff and it was just it was a really compelling watch it was a 
great fucking movie. I think I knew going in that it was, I mean, because we're seeing it now, like four weeks after it launched, right? So I I knew it was going to be like a social commentary kind of. I did not think it was going to be as funny as it was. Yeah. It was really freaking funny. And yeah, I'm kind of the same as you. Like even my little sister didn't really play with Barbie. We like had Barbie in the house, but Mm -hmm. it was like (laughs) Barbie was bought the same way Beanie Babies were bought in our house, which was like, keep it in the box and it'll be worth a lot of money someday. (laughs) It's like, like action figures, like. That's not something like kids want, so my sister never played with them. Sure, sure. So it was more like a Polly Pocket household. But yeah, I, I thought you know the acting across the board was really good. I really liked the cast of the movie, yes. and uh, and Will Ferrell got to be an e- evil, <laughs> evil toy uh, executive again. <laughs> yes, Will Ferrell was great, and everyone was. I thought Michael Sarah busted me up the whole time. I thought he was so funny. It was great. It's a great movie. Besides that, I mean, I checked out the Central Ohio Railway Museum. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard about that. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, or do we have to drink these seltzers? I think we, yeah, I think we have to get into these seltzers, man. Okay. I so think we have to come clean. Yeah, we got to come clean here. So here's what I'll say. We on this show like trying different seltzers and rating them. You all know this. I often am how do I say this tricked by bullshit marketing A type one susceptible. Yep. Yeah. So when I saw happy dad, hard seltzers, I was like, Hey, that's kind of funny. We should try those for the show. You know, in, in fact, we almost did that before. I think this was one that we almost ordered once and then didn't. So I picked them up and we were getting ready to go. And they're here on the agenda. And well, apparently, well, let me start with the copy about us from the website. This is their about us section. Happy Dad Hard Seltzer was founded in June 2021 from Sam Sahidi, John Sahidi, and Kyle Forgrid from the Full Sail podcast. It operates out of Orange County, California. Happy Dad is an easy-to-drink hard seltzer with low carbonation, simple and refreshing flavors with no strange aftertaste. Happy Dad is enjoyed out of a regular can because we are tired of the skinny can bullshit. And that should have been your first that should have been your first clue. Yes. That should have been your first <laughs> clue. We're tired of the skinny can bullshit. We're tired of that woke skinny can bullshit is basically what they should have said. Yes. Um so yeah, we started looking about five minutes before we went live into who the Full Send podcast actually is. And um, it, huge pieces of shit. Um, Just the look, worst. Look, looked it up on, on Wikipedia, and the poll quote that I do want to read is, and this is like, this is their... Literally their, like, on their Wikipedia page. So this is, full the Full Send podcast is like a spinoff or a, a part of this like group of people called Nelk. The group has also been described as content creators pushing the boundaries of white male privilege to the extreme. A hybrid of pranks and social disturbances centering around drugs and alcohol. We have the history just reads like a crime spree. We just watched Barbie yesterday and we're doing this. Yeah. We didn't know. We did not know. We did not know about this. Okay. Yeah. If y'all want to read some pretty awful shit. Check it out. Oh, and oh, uh, tell, tell, tell some of the notable guests on their fucking podcast. Okay, so we got Donald Trump. We got Elon Musk. We got, who else am I missing here? Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate. Yeah, that's a big one. Oh, Ben Shapiro. OJ fucking Simpson. OJ Simpson. So just like 
take all the worst people real bad. <laughs> just put them all as guests on you. Oh, God. Yes. And the members are shitheads, too, I'm sure. Yeah. One I of mean, them it's impossible for them not to be. Close to home, one of them was arrested during a prank in which you walked into a Barnes & Noble store with fake blood smeared on a white jumpsuit and asked workers for books on covering up a crime scene. This was in Columbus, Ohio. So, hey. Oh. That's that fun. Sucks. And uh, there's a lot more stuff like that. Oh, yeah, like breaking COVID guidelines. Yeah, on a campus at Illinois State University. Uh, pictured with Donald Trump on Air Force One. During the 2020 presidential election. Not great, guys. CBS reports that this group was responsible for a series of physical assaults in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh. So we're going to try these hard seltzers. So, like... Right off the bat, really hard to root for the flavors in these. Yeah, and I want to, again, say uh, we found out about this late. So Yeah, found out about it <laughs> not 10 minutes before going live. I would like to be clear that we very regularly purchase seltzers and things due to weird flavors or the name of it or some other reason besides actually looking them up the amount of times yeah, we look uh, anything up is very rare until after we purchase let's just it. Uh, mm -hmm. let's just let's just call a spade a spade we goofed on this one yeah folks we goofed um, on this and one it's, and it's too late to change direction We've got four flavors five percent abv one gram sugar they're 100 calories a pop they have electrolytes in them and we got the flavors lemon lime watermelon pineapple wild cherry how are we gonna rate them well what makes daddy happy? Can one be the full send podcast? <laughs> okay, yeah. All right. One was dad jokes, but one is now going to be the full send podcast. Then two out of five is keeping the door closed while the air conditioning is running. Three is birth of a first child. Four I had as submissive behaviors, which was a lot funnier when that was a daddy joke and had nothing to do with uh, the patriarchy and white privilege. Um, and then five is control of the remote. So, uh... Can we not have four be that anymore? Yeah, what, what, Maybe, like, change new four to dad jokes. Yeah, let's, do, let's do new balance. <laughs> new balance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear. So how about we give these a shot? All right. The first one is lemon lime. Sure. I'll kick us off with the lemon lime here. Thoughts on can design? I mean, it looks like a generic beer. I guess those of you in the tuning in live, you can see us on video. Look, it looks kind of like a can of Stella, honestly. Yeah, it's a completely white can. White can. Um, very shocked that they don't have like their faces plastered on it or some mm -hmm. shit. Notably, no reference to the podcast on the cans or the packaging. Okay. Okay. Thank God that's terrible. Yeah. Thank God. Well, they, <laughs> part of their marketing was no weird aftertaste, but that's like all weird aftertaste. Yeah, that's battery acid. That lemon lime is battery acid. I think that's a full sun podcast. That tastes like shit. It's pretty limey but also it's like sour limey. for yeah. a lemony. Very limey, very sour. Mm -hmm. Ooh, you know what? It tastes pretty close to those Warhead seltzers. It's yeah. giving me flashbacks to that, which is not a good flashback. Little less vomity. Little but, less vomity, But still yeah. flashbacks to that. I think that But tracks. I'm wondering like, if you keep drinking it, if you're going to start getting the vomit flavor. Well, we'll find out because I'm about to crack open our second flavor, which is watermelon. Oh, yeah, I also give that a full sun podcast out of five. 
What do you think about that watermelon? It's not super offensive. It's certainly not the best watermelon I've ever had, but it's, I don't it's know. It's kind of a sour watermelon. Yeah, it's like it's weird. This feels like the Bud Light sour pack. I don't know why they're so sour. Me neither. I'd say that's a keeping the door closed with the air conditioning running. Yeah, I'm it's with you on that, too. Ever. These guys are clear shitheads, so I'd like to give this a one. Well, it's definitely more, more palatable than the lemon lime. Yeah. By much, probably not, but still not good. That's a two out of five to me. All right. I'm going to dig into pineapple. Oh, we forgot to mention that these have electrolytes in them for some reason. I'm, yeah, we don't know why. I'm, ge- I'm guessing it's so you can take them to your favorite Trump rally in the sun. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. If I had to guess. <laughs> you got to stay hydrated somehow when you're so you sacking can, yeah, Nancy Pelosi's office. Yeah, it's, it's so you can stay hydrated when you're golfing at Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a full send to my sour receptors. Why is it sour? I don't know. It's like the citrus ones are even worse. Like, I don't know why watermelon. Like, if wild cherry is sour, it's like, <sighs> that That one's a full scent to me. I, that's the worst pineapple I've ever had, I think. I agree, and you took the words right out of my mouth. I think... Pineapple's supposed to be yummy. Pineapple exactly. usually is a great flavor. It's usually the staple of a pack that it's in. That's almost as bad as the lemon-lime, which is, you know, traditionally the worst flavor in a pack, in my opinion. So I'm surprised that the pineapple's so bad. Yeah, this is slightly more palatable. It does not break into a two for me. And yes, also notably, pineapple is one of my favorite hard seltzer flavors. And this is the worst pineapple flavor I've ever had in hard seltzer. And it's not even close. Hand over my heart. That is the absolute truth. So that's a full send podcast for me. Not sure if you (laughs) rated that. I think you did. did, Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to go ahead and try the wild cherry. Okay. I've tried it. Fuck, I can already tell it's going to be sour from the smell. From the smell? It's got to be really sour to smell from, like, the smell sour. Oh, You know, Haley, these are gluten-free. No, thanks. <laughs> that's the worst one in the pack. Ooh. That's worse than lemon-lime, in my opinion. That's very full send. I... I think that's I think, terrible. I think that lemon-lime, just for my taste buds, is a little worse. But that does not excuse how shitty this is. That is a full send podcast through and through. I do not like that. Like, that sucks. Like, I think that, like, the Corona seltzer cherry is better than that. 100%. <laughs> We've had some shitty cherry. 100%. That's very, I mean, the only saving grace here is that they didn't, like, try and reproduce cocktail flavors or something like Sash. Mm-hmm. Like, they actually try to do regular seltzer flavors. Boy, I was excited for this one a little bit. Not, not this flavor. I was excited for this pack a little bit because as far as I could tell, it wasn't coming from like uh, an Anheuser-Busch or a Molson Coors or one of them. So I was like, clearly this is somebody who's going to have flavors that stand out because what is this branding? It's nothing. So the flavors must warrant it being distributed across the country and this just sucks shit and i'm not even just trying to pander to the listening audience here these are legitimately bad they're not good at all well i mean it's it's the classic it's it's just like sashes it's the classic like fucking i I have so much privilege i think i can do anything i think i can make a Mm -hmm. seltzer that's better than mom water by the way this was made in direct response to mom water i'm pretty sure 
Which don't get me wrong, but you can't have a you can't have a mom water without a happy dad. Oh my god, it smells so bad. I would drink a mom water every day for the rest of the year before I had another one of these. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So So, uh, I mean our average here is like a one. Just maybe like a one point two with the what was one being a two. Yeah, with the one being a two. But I mean this is the watermelon being a two. Basically as bottom of the barrel as you can get. I think the only thing really lower were those sesh packs. I mean, misery we, loves company. We, yeah, we've ra- we've rated packs a, a one before, but these are as tasteful as I'm sure that podcast is. Absolutely. Well, as a final verdict, I always like to ask a question, and I thought it for as a, like a fun dad tie-in, I would like to know what both of our dads would think of this pack. I think our dads come at beer drinking from different angles. Your dad runs the brew fest, has access to, and is a man who really prides himself in like really, really good beers and understanding them. My dad's more of a volume and, and a value guy. You, you can kind of see that in my respect to hams and old style and no coach him and shit. So I'll go first and say that these were priced at or just a little bit above average for a 12 pack of seltzers. And regardless of how it tastes, my dad's not going to have anything to do with that. He was telling me the other day that I need to load up on Budweiser because of the $5 mail-in rebate. Politics aside, he's just like, it's a good time to buy Bud. (laughs) So he could not justify it from a cost perspective. And if I think my dad had this, even from drinking some cheaper beer, he'd be like, this fucking sucks. So that's a no from Mr. Strapple. Yeah. Curious about Mr. Norman, though I think I know the answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh my God, yeah. Yeah, Jeff doesn't drink seltzers normally, and they have to be very good to catch his attention. So he would never pick this up on his own. Jeff would berate these. Yeah. Well, no, and then my father is very liberal, so he would then learning about the podcast. Drink them to <laughs> to know how bad they are to leave a review like we are leaving right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it would be scathing. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a little more scathing than our, uh, It'd actually be almost our one out of five. <laughs> but a couple years since we've had him on the show. <laughs> we might need, need to bring him back. Yeah, yeah my dad would, would be writing like a couple paragraphs on like Beer Advocate <laughs> about or like or untapped. Like about, he would take the about, time. Yeah, about how bad these are, so... Ooh, one of the, one of the things that I didn't mention in the preview was that I saw that they had a a pack that was all banana, which I mean, tasting these must be fucking awesome. Oh yeah, and, and guess what the picture on the all banana pack is? It's a, one of those fucking curious ape NFTs. Yep. So, so. <laughs> that's another red flag. Yep. Another red flag we should have seen. <laughs> well. For all of you listening, don't buy this pack, and uh, sorry. Now, Griff... Uh, <laughs> don't, yeah, don't support these people. <laughs> yeah, really? It tastes bad and is bad to purchase. Yeah. So, uh, how are we going to split these up? Now, our lowest were lemon, lime, and the cherry. I rated the cherry a little higher. I mean, yeah, I didn't I'll, rate it I'll higher, but I think I appreciated it cherry. more. And then yeah. it's a pineapple or watermelon. I don't know which one of those you want. I... I'll tell you what, man. I don't care. All right. I'll take the watermelon. Okay. I'll do pineapple then. Oh, the banana ones were based off of a yacht club. Jesus Christ. (laughs) The fuck are we doing here? It really doesn't get any worse. (laughs) Really, really just doesn't. Nothing you read about them gives me any better signs. There's no like 
bright horizon. There's no silver no, lining. I even tried to look group. up the brewery that makes them to see if maybe that they were like a saving grace, like they're an LGBTQ like supporting brewery or anything. Mm-hmm. I looked up. There's a long list of many LGBTQ supporting breweries because of all of the fallout that you know Bud Light had. This one's not listed, so really just bungled this. Oh, this brewery is not listed. As surprise, surprise. One. The, the the brewery that creates <laughs> creates hey, hey. creates drinks under I, the. They, it got con- They were contracted by them, so that's where I didn't know. Maybe mm. like I was like, maybe that's our saving grace. Is the yeah, but like you can buy. you can get contract. Like you don't have to pick up a contract, Haley. Correct. You don't have. <laughs> you don't to. have to pick up the contract. You can look into your business partners a little bit and say, uh, you know, this is some sort of connection from one of these podcasts or whatever's to the person that brews this swill. Yeah. So I think it's time for us to leave Happy Doubt in the past. Yeah. We should move on to and other toss things. toss the pack out. We can toss the pack away. Wish you to yeah. I'm sorry you paid for this, Steve. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, here's our next segment. This one is the one where we talk about some gods, and I thought it would be fun and timely to talk about some of the ones that are featured in Rage of Elements, specifically some of the new ones. So let's do that instead of uh, this. All right. So since Rage of Elements just came out, there are two new planes that have appeared in the Pathfinder universe, and their elemental lords are featured in that release, Rage of Elements. Those two new planes being wood and metal, and those are in addition to the traditional air, water, fire, earth. So we're going to focus on the newer planes, the metal and wood ones, because I think that's kind of fun, and their elemental masters. You know, we say that this is a segment about the gods or deities. These are elemental lords are basically treated like gods. So for our purposes, that's what we're just going to call them for now. I'm going to give a little bit of an overview of these elemental planes and kind of where this fits into the world of Pathfinder, but I'm going to be honest, I'm not an expert in this stuff and it gets kind of heady and confusing, at least to me. So I'm just going to try and, you know, level set everyone to at least my level of understanding. And then Griff and I are going to talk about the the respective planes and their, their deities. So. Let's turn the clocks back on the Pathfinder timeline to before the creation of the material realm in the first world. There were six elemental planes, air, earth, fire, metal, water, and wood. And each of those planes had two elemental lords in equilibrium to basically monitor and operate on those planes. Once mortals were born into existence and the material realm and the first world were created, the people that were on those realms and started to understand the elemental lords started anthropomorphizing them and ascribing good and evil qualities to the lords. And basically you see where there's a a good and evil one for each plane, essentially, because the lords, once they were ascribed these traits, started acting in that way. Not our planes, baby. Not our planes, though. So then there was a shift in these planes where there was an, an event called Kelizandri's Conspiracy where the malevolent lords of air, earth, fire, and water joined forces and imprisoned their good counterparts, sealing them away and ruling their respective planes completely uncontested. Balance shifts on these planes, and for the majority of Pathfinder history that we've seen, that's kind of how I understand it's worked. However, 
as these malevolent lords grew in power and influence, the lords of metal and wood were weakened because they weren't really affected by this. They were kind of shunted off to the sides and their planes shrunk down and receded until they slipped away between the cracks of the inner sphere, seeming to disappear entirely. If we talk uh, about some things that actually happened in Pathfinder lore, about five game years later, the Lord of Air was freed, the good one. And then that Lord was followed by the rest of the imprisoned Lords. And eventually the entire planes of metal and wood reappeared once that balance started to get reestablished. That is my understanding of the history of the planes. So now that the planes of metal and the plane of wood are back in action, uh, let's talk about the planes and their respective deities a little bit. So I'm going to talk about the plane of metal. The quote that starts the section in Rage of Elements for the plane of metal is greatness in decline. Metal is a barrier holding back that which, in spite of all of our efforts, cannot be postponed forever. Even as the shiniest bit of silver must one day corrode and crumble to dust, metal is the force that forestalls the unavoidable until one day it too must fall. All creation must follow it into an eternal void of nothingness. What was interesting to me is that the tone of the metal section is much less metal and much more emo. <laughs> Everything is going to end. Yeah. <laughs> Rust. The and point of this plane is uh, pointless because nihilism. Yeah. It's not like wicked saw blades and like cutting edges and stuff. Not to say that that's not in the plane or themed in some of the spells and stuff. But really, the tone is much more somber than I expected. I thought just, it, you know, it easy money to do like the plane of harshness and badassery for metal, but not really the case. This plane exists between the planes of earth and water. And if you were to journey to it, you would appear to be in like a giant metal sphere that is full of all sorts of cool wonders, like overlapping magnetic fields, spires of every type of metal ever reaching to the heavens. You have rivers of liquid metal, people made of liquid metal, deserts of rust. The air smells like ozone. There's electricity coursing everywhere. And then you have these floating metal cities that are not held aloft by like engines or fan blades or buoyancy or anything. They're held aloft because they're metal and there's magnetic currents pushing them up like magnets repulsing each other. Magnets. How do they work? Hell if I know. <laughs> And yeah, the again, the tone of this well, the thing I read, all of this stuff that I described one day will collapse with the rest of the plane into rust and nothingness. So the elemental lords, now that I'm starting to get into that part of the discussion of metal, embody their home's slow disintegration. Um, the plane was once upon a time invaded by forces from the plane of Earth before the plane was sealed off and slipped in between those cracks. And the lords here were quite dispirited and offered no clear vision for what the plane of metal could be in the absence of the inner sphere's other planes. Uh, Laudamino, uh, the sovereign of alchemy, the second one I'll talk about, remains in slumber. And Nestra, the lady of rust, treads under the weight of deep despair. Plane's so fucking emo. <laughs> so Nestra, a.k.a. the lady of rust. Areas of concern, metal, decline, inevitability, mourning, <laughs> mourning with a U, so it's sadness. Edicts, accept the inevitable, clear what remains of that which has fallen to ruin, usher the past into obscurity. 
Anathema is preserve knowledge that has outlived its time, restore an object or structure that has been reclaimed by the elements, divine attribute, con or whiz. It seems like her goal is to shepherd the plane of metal along its inevitable decline. And she is basically like this giant rust monster crustacean creature that is constantly walking across the plane of metal just consuming the materials of it and leaving nothingness in her wake. She's not cruel of aggressive, just more of a force of nature and is seen accompanied by a horde of ore lice. Well, she is not cruel or aggressive. They definitely are. So people, one, don't want to get in her way because they'll be consumed and turned into nothingless. But also she has these little creepy critters that walk around and kill things around her really cool deity. I think this would be like a good fit for like an Oracle of Ash or something. I think would be really cool to uh, to respect this deity. The other one that I want to talk about before passing it to Griff is Laudin Mio. I think I'm pronouncing that close to correct. The Sovereign of Alchemy is their other name. Areas of concern, metal, alchemy, discovery, experiments, and here we go again, regret. Edicts discover new alloys and concoctions, have multiple concurrent plans, innovate use of metals anathema allow your creation to fall into malicious hands destroy an alchemical formula divine attributes are int and charisma so laudamio once studied metal and alchemy and was mentored by the gods that have since been lost to time so ancient deities no one's ever heard of anymore their research proved extraordinarily bountiful and they basically ascended to elemental lord status their encourage of spontaneity uh, maybe pronounce that close spontaneity. to correct. Yeah, spontaneity and self-expression, whether that was artistic or scientific, made them a popular ruler. And they had a, a realm known as the Euphonious Coalition, which celebrated metallic crafts, alchemy, and fashion. If you were to look at this creature, they look uh, kind of like an amorphous form, kind of mannequin looking but that form could change based on what they wanted to look like. The picture that you see in Rage of Elements is like a gold humanoid figure with a black and white dress adorned with alchemical vials all over. He gives me very like Emperor's New Clothes vibes. Oh, sure. Like, both in the like very obsessed with fashion, like has kind of this like coalition around him, like mm -hmm. him things and only really gets involved like when it's too late. That's why he's got regret in his portfolios because like he wasn't able to save the plane. Yes. And so, yeah, we're getting into that regret right now. At some point in the history of the plane of metal, they were attacked by people from the earth plane led by Lord Erzul, A-Y-R-Z-U-L. Erzul stole some of their power and destroyed much of their residence, the pyramid castle amalgam. And if you're curious who Arizul is, they're that crystal dragon creature on the front of the book that looks really awesome. But they're also a huge dick. Yeah, massive dick. To both of these planes, mm -hmm. as we'll find. Oh, I can't wait to hear, because I have not read almost anything about wood. So, Lanamio blames themselves for failing to repel those invaders. Uh, loss of sovereignty threatened not only their own existence, but the stability of the plane, and they felt responsible for that. After the defeat, Lanamio instructed the Euphonious Coalition to disperse and fell into stasis. Although planar connections have been restored and the plane of metal is back in business, Lodomios yet slumbers and is haunted by regret and confusion. 
Their loyal subjects remain in the castle to secure their safety, while envoys travel the universe, seeking a way to soothe Bonamio's pain. And that's a very sad deity. Yeah. But sad boy. Yeah. I really enjoyed reading about the plane of metal. I'm going to continue reading about these planes because they're all very awesome. But at this point, Griff, I know virtually nothing about the plane of wood or the elemental lords within it. So how about you? Uh, he just me. break into my rage of elements book. Here. <laughs> I was just looking to see if there was like a thing like you quoted at the start of this one. I guess the biggest quote here would be like essence of discipline. So, so the plane of wood, it sits between the planes of water and air. And it is just this huge, vast forest. But the forest is more orderly than any forest that we would know or that we would see. It's like strictly regimented by one of the elemental lords of wood. And before the elemental lords actually came to the plane and shaped it, because one of the elemental lords is not from the plane originally, there was like... A stillness to the plane of wood because, like, the whole plane focuses on the plant life and nothing was created. So there were no humanoid creatures or animal creatures. It was all plants. And that made it very still until the elemental lord, hers, hers is a little hard to pronounce, Shemunye? Man, I haven't read an elemental lord's name in this book that I. Shemunue. That I was confident on the pronunciation. Until she came to the plane and actually created the first. She's the like the carved lady. Like she carves the wood and gives it life that's different than just being a plant. So life kind of sprang up in the plane after she not that there wasn't life, but like moving life sprang up in the plane after she arrived. So the plane of wood is so orderly because I think it's actually based off of the cell structure of plants. So the cell walls in plants, as we've talked about on Speak With Plants, Mm -hmm. are rigid but flexible. And that's kind of the nature of the plane itself. They even go so far as to say you can find the shape of the forest from the plane of wood if you magnify a plant on Galarian. So, oh, so like cool. the cells of plants on Galarian are modeled after the plane of wood. That's really cool. The plane itself, it's wild. People say that it's in a, like this eternal springtime, but that's not true. Weather affects the plane differently and the sun cycle affects the plane differently. And so daytime is determined by the light cycle of the plants in the area. Mm-hmm. So you can have areas of eternal night where fungus grows or areas of, you know, areas of like a normal day-night cycle where normal plant, like plants that have that day-night cycle live. The rivers and streams would intoxicate a visitor to the plane because Mm -hmm. they're made of this like intoxicating sap. And there's actually weather. It's all just made of plants. So like there are these great pine, like volcanic trees and there's trees that's buds create this chill snow that you can like ski on like they ski in this plane like even though it's like an eternal spring they have all of the seasons because of the plant life that's there that creates this weather and everything so it's a very cool plane it's perfectly symmetrical and the lords i think 
this kind of follows with what the plane of metal theme was where these two planes don't have an evil elemental lord they have a more lawful and a more chaotic one so these two planes have a law chaos spectrum whereas the other planes that were part of the conspiracy have an evil good Mm -hmm. spectrum so the first is again shimune shimune the carved lady of mimicry her areas of concern are wood camouflage carpentry life and mimicry her edicts are to celebrate births, makes time for nature, and recreate life in your works. Her anathema is to permanently damage a plant or wood creature, to polymorph another without permission. And her attributes are constitution and charisma. She's got a heal divine font, and if you follow her, you can choose holy as a divine sanctification. So she, if we were talking traditional alignments, she would be good in that sense. Sure. Favorite weapon is a club, and it's really cool. Her kind of symbol, it almost reminds me, if anyone knows what the Venus of Willendorf is, it's like the fertility goddess, but it's like a fertility idol, except that its head is made of flowers. So she is one of the few elemental lords not native to their plane of rule. Before she arrived on the plane, it was, again, this diverse and cultivated forest that stretched through the entire plane, but it was still and she brought animated creatures to the plane by carving the wood of the plane. She has a court of transcendence, which is those close to her that give her guidance, kind of in her area. So she has this grotto that she occupies on the plane. She like teaches flowers and leaves to mimic like bugs of other planes. So she's, because she's not from the plane, she's highly influenced by things on other planes. And that's why everything on the plane of wood that moves is mimicking something from like Galarian or otherwise. It's like, you know, there's bugs made of flowers and people made of wood and all of these things exist because of her perspective. Some people say that she's a construct that gained sentience, but she would say that she's the product of a union between a Kodama and a Kitazar wizard who traveled to her plane. She rules over no land or organizations, and rather than having subjects, she surrounds herself with confidants. So the plane of wood is dying, and she is the one of the two lords that is interested in reaching out now that the plane has come back to existence, reaching out outward to get help from other planes. The plane is dying because of Arzul, Ah, who came to this plane and started a plague and Shimune was able to repel him. She, being a wooden creature herself, has this like scar. She looks like a uh, she looks like a forest dragon, a huge forest dragon, and she has these like discolored scales from the corruption is on her. Ooh! So she's slowly dying. So everyone that kind of worships and follows her is very worried for her because she's she has this corruption on her that is slowly killing her. Speaking to the appearance of the wood elemental lords here, I would ascribe like maybe a B or A minus tier to the metal lords appearance. I think the wood lords appearance is like straight S tier. I think they look so cool, both of them, in like really unique ways. So the the other lord is uh, Verilorn. He is the custodian of oak and ash. And yes, his appearance is my favorite of all. He 
kind of looks like a treant, but with a huge mushroom cap, floppy hat, and mushrooms growing on his back. And he has six arms, each carrying a different kind of gardening tool, as he is like the gardener and cultivator of the forest of the plain. So his areas of concern are wood, cultivation, forestry, gardening, and security. And his edicts are to patiently plant your seeds, plan for orderly beauty, watch over your sproutlings. Anathema is to abandon your post, neglect your crops, or purposely pervert nature. And his divine attributes are constitution and wisdom. His favored weapon is a sickle. So Verilorn was affected by the attack on the plane of wood as well. Verilorn used to be very chaotic and fancy free and used to cavort with Shimune across the plain, you know, planting and basically bringing more life to the area. And when they were attacked, he realized the need for order in order to give the plain security. And so he and Shimune are at odds now that the plane is open to everyone, he's very reluctant to allow visitors to the Plane of Wood because of what had happened. And Shimune is desperately looking to the outside for a cure so that the plane doesn't die. Apparently, the deities associated with time are jealous of him mm. because he, he is not a deity that you know has insight into time, but he is better able to predict the future of trees than any time-related deity ever could. All right, I like so that. So he, like, he innately knows, like, when he plants something, the quality of the wood that will sprout from the tree hundreds of years later. All in all, it seems like he used to be a very chill guy. <laughs> he would cultivate life with a free spirit, and it was only after the plane became severed, the aftershocks killing many of his people, that Verilorn changed. He vowed to never again be wild and chaotic with his gardens because it brought harm to his people and himself. And now he sits alone in a twisting tree tower. And secretly, he wishes to ask uh, Shimune if they might again shape wood in the wilds together. I wonder what that means. But he can't bend. He can't bend as he used to. He's Uh afraid that if he does, he will ultimately break. So there's a lot of. I I love the description of like how people shape the and and come to their elemental powers with the plane of wood. When you figure out a way to harness the elemental energy, it's called going with the grain. Mm. And they have like this cycle of teaching that kind of follows the cycle of like gardening and cultivating and and harvesting and varnishing and it's all like a woodworker cycle and it's just very cool to think about I, I love that each of these are kind of taken from like a like an elemental scholar's perspective within the plane this one's written by master yip chi lan an elementalist from the plane of wood it's just it's definitely worth a read you guys get rated elements yeah but yeah that's my guys Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you for sharing. I found those both very fascinating, and I'm going to go back later. I mean, not today. I got some drinking to do, (laughs) but probably later this weekend and read the rest of the Plane of Wood because that is fascinating. But for the meantime, I think it's probably time we start heading towards questions. Haley, what do we got? First question is from Corey. Corey has asked, if you were an elemental lord, which plane would you be lord of? Are we constraining ourselves to the six? in the Pathfinder realm. 
I mean, go wild. But I already know you're probably metal based yes. on the descriptions there. Yeah. Um, but yes, constraining to six. Okay, let's do that. So I think like it would be great just to be like wood or water because I like nature and like seeing like cool natural things. But I mean, why, why am I fucking around? Of course, it's metal. Clearly metal. So obviously metal. We need to move on. Griff, what would you be? Probably earth. Oh, I could see that. You basically have a latent mountain stance at any given time. Yeah, plus something to my AC. <laughs> have you read the Earth section? I haven't yet. I haven't read the Earth section. Yeah, I got. I mean, read I've read about this. like I, I read about all of them in Planar Adventures. Sure, sure. But I haven't read the updated stuff yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's definitely been tough for me to keep up lately with like this coming right after High Helm and like. Right, and there's a lot of stuff in here that's like. Hey, I'm definitely going to read the Kineticist stuff Mm -hmm. before I read any of the other stuff. Kineticist, fucking dense, too. Yeah. It's a really cool class. It's a a really cool class. There's a lot to digest. Haley, what else do we got in the chat here? Yeah, Eric asked, do you think rust monsters would be welcome on the plane of metal? If it was yes, then is there a concern because everything goes to rust eventually? He didn't actually say there's a question. He just Mm -hmm. wrote it. And then, no, it's because it's an unnatural expediting the process question mark I guess I'm adding in words I think a little what's her face is a rust monster she's yeah. the queen of rust monsters so I, I would think naturally like when it says she's surrounded by ore lice like those are rust monsters yeah I understand where this question came from I understand why it's being asked but I I do think that they would be and I, I agree with you Griffin that I don't think they're like unnaturally pushing it forward but there are things in the plane already that are pushing it forward so it's kind of like what else is new right i mean we might get we might get information that like rust monsters are originally from the plane oh sure you know what yeah. i mean like that might be something that gets updated at some point it's mm-hmm. like why do these creatures crave metal well from where they're from that's like an abundant food source yeah i need- eat because that was the ore lice thing I'm looking this up because I'm not sure if they were like a pf one thing originally no maybe just looks like 2e as I kind of just google while people are waiting um, <laughs> but in, in the text of the so the, the ore lice entry is actually in the plane of water chapter of Rage of Elements and that's because they were originally there right on the border between earth and water and everyone's like why are these ore lice in the plane of water that doesn't really make any sense and it's because the plane of metal exists between those two planes or was like hidden between those two planes and they were just kind of spilling out or were there originally or whatever so that's too long that I've spent on that explanation. What's the next <laughs> question? <laughs> Nude asked if you were bound to an internal service of one of the lords, which one would you choose? Ooh, I really think if he was happy again, I'd love to be in service of Laudamia. Mm-hmm. I think he's like like the sovereign of alchemy. That's such a cool elemental lord to fought. Like some of them are so very like I'm evil earth. I'm poison. Mm-hmm. I'm the poison of the ground. Like yeah. he's, he's like, I really like the wood and metal ones because they're not so like good and evil. And so they tend to be more interesting characters because of it. Yeah. It's funny. I was going to basically say the same thing. Uh, a lot is like, um, 
I don't know. It, it They don't really take a hard stance on anything except preserving their realm and discovering things. And I really appreciate that. I like that as a concept. And even the present state of they slumber and people just kind of want them to get up and get back at it. You know, their followers are just trying to help them along. I kind of like that, but I'll give a different answer for different answers sake. And that'll be uh, Queen Fire Mommy Emiri. Queen Fire Mommy. Yeah. Check out that dart sometime. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. quite the lower body. For sure. <laughs> Next question, please. Sexy up top, Goro from Mortal Kombat on the bottom. That is absolutely true. It's, it's like a Goro uh, centaur almost. Yeah. So you last, kind of similar to Rust Monsters, I think, but like, are beavers allowed on the plane of the world? Uh, Great question. Let's dive into this. <laughs> I think I really liked the question. I think they That's were, a good pro- one. I think there probably are like beavers made of wood on the plane of wood. Do they also Ooh. eat, eat wood? wood? I don't know. And is that I mean you have to you have to eat something on the plane to survive, but when you're on a plane where everything photosynthesizes, maybe not. Does a beaver in this case like kind of service a circle of life thing where they bring down trees that can feed on you know the dead timber and I think I think it's more um, so if if you remember when I was talking about my second guy whose name escapes me right now um, mushroom cap yes. old man Verilorn he's the custodian of oak and ash mm, so sure. there's a there's an element of fire on the plane of wood that I think is like the death and rebirth of forests. Like forest fires are actually healthy for forests. Mm-hmm. So he would be the one that's like setting them yeah. like in the right place. So I think that's kind of how that cycle happens on the plane of wood. But mm-hmm. I mean, if there was a little fire elemental beaver, that would probably be the same same thing. Listen, I saw a little fire elemental otter in the rage oh element. Looks cute as shit. So... I'm here for it. Yeah. What else do we got? Let's keep it going. Sorry, I just read the final jab and it really hit me. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> new to ask a kind of two for question here, which is if you had to sacrifice one of the new planes to strengthen the other, which would you choose? And then follow up, which is if you had to sacrifice one of the old planes to strengthen the new, which would you kill? Oh, wait. So what was the first one? If you had to sacrifice one of the new planes to strengthen the other which one would you choose so lose metal to strengthen wood or vice versa and then like lose fire to strength metal or something like that mm-hmm. are, are potential answers yeah Ooh. Mm, I feel like I like metal but metal could be like it's a creation mm-hmm. of all the elements it doesn't really to me s- seem like an element it's that's why the lord of metal is an alchemist mm-hmm is because fusing ore and fire creates metal. So yes. like the planes of earth and the plane of fire are like even the plane of earth has like the city of brass or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I think my argument is going to be similar to yours. Honestly, both the planes of metal and wood seem I'm glad they're in here. I think they're really really cool and interesting. They don't seem to me as fundamental as the other four. I think if I had to just answer the first half of this question, honestly, you know, I I think wood probably brings more to the table than metal. I see there's a a comment here from Corey saying feels like 
metal might be a subset of Earth to me, honestly. I think that's what, what she's saying there. And and, and, I, and I think you're probably kind of right. I think you could change the names of the planes, and the feel of the plane would be a little bit different. Run that but by like, me. So you have air, earth, fire, water. You have the plane of life, which is wood, and the plane of creation, which is metal. Mm. Yeah. And those could serve to me as like elements. Yeah. You know, elements of all things that are like when you think about what everything is made up of, it's either made up of one of those four elements or it is a byproduct of life or Mm. creation. And then the second half of this question is sacrifice one of the core four for one of the new two. I think air is always the least interesting to me. I think it's maybe the least interesting, but I think is feels more necessary than than Earth. I mean, maybe fire. I don't know. I think Earth or fire. I think you could lose. I think you. You know what? Lose Earth, bolster metal. Boom. So replace Earth with metal, and I think that's serviceable. I don't think that's perfect, but you know we're constrained with the constraints of the question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would lose air, bolster wood. I think. To me, air is like. Air is just a, I mean, there's obviously stuff there, but it's like a plane of nothingness. Right. I do not disagree with that assessment. Even like many air elementals are invisible because there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. Like invisible stalkers from the plane of air, invisible because they're made of air because there's nothing. Another question? Let's do it. Eric asked, what character options besides the new Kinetics class are you most excited about from Rage of Elements? Oh, I'm absolutely going to be a wood guy. (laughs) so fast I've been waiting for that since it was announced that that was going to be an elemental versatile heritage yeah Mm -hmm. like expect that for my backup character on speak with plants it's going to be a wood guy nice character options there seems to be a lot of them I'm going to throw one to ooh I have not read it yet so this is a little bit of a shot in the dark I may be getting shot in the foot here I love that there's an elemental instinct barbarian. I think that's cool. Have not read it yet, so I don't know if it sucks or not, but I just like that concept and I think that opens up the barbarian a little bit. I'm just going to give a shout out to the volume of spells yeah, though, that yeah, you get dude. in this book. I'm like I'm changing up cantrips on like all of my casts. 100%. It there's a deluge of spells. I'm going to call out one specifically. There's a a metal cantrip called something like needles or some piercing needles or something where you have three nails and you throw them at somebody like um, the girl with the hammer and nails in Jujutsu Kaisen and you do damage that way and if you have cold iron nails you bypass cold iron DR adamantine nails uh, bypass adamantine DR it's a really cool cantrip I'm going to throw it probably on a character it's going to be awesome the um there's one from wood that is just perfect for speak with plants. It's mm-hmm. like you like tap into the roots yeah. of the trees around you and you can detect any hidden I read that one, yeah. Hidden creatures. And you can detect if there have been any creatures in the area in the past hour and what direction they went. There's a cool water one too where and I have not read all of them, but there's a cool water one that's a reaction. I think it's a level two spell where if you have somebody within thirty feet of you do damage, and I guess maybe you could do this as well. Do damage that I think it has to be either slashing or piercing, but it does persistent bleed damage. Then you take this reaction, casting the spell, and spit salt water at the wounds. And if you're successful, then they will take 2d6 persistent acid damage because you get like salt in the wounds, huh. which would be like 
I, that's a fun mirror spell, right? Yeah. Shoot somebody with that wounding bow. They start bleeding, spit salt water in the wounds, and now they've got persistent acid on top of Ooh, the persistent that's bleed. That's a great synergy. You gotta watch out for that. Mm. That's probably coming. <laughs> especially because she took the, the waves druid as her second. Yeah, especially if you're coming off the primal spell list. This book is fucking stacked. Yeah. Occult and Divine is, is pretty slim pickings, but still there's good stuff on there. Arcane's pretty damn good, and Primal's nuts. Yeah, I think this is like, this is exactly what you need to make like that elementalist dedication work. Yeah. It's like you really needed like this just huge pack of spells for each element. I'll be honest, there were a lot of things in Iron Fang that I wasn't really sure how to fully convert until this came out. That's awesome. That's so cool. So there's a lot of things that were like, I'll have to figure out something to do there eventually. And now this is here and there's like some direct conversion stuff. Oh yeah, the best area in here is awesome. The best area is exactly what I needed because there's a lot of things that like, again, just don't fit into me before this. And now they will. That's so cool. I'm very glad to hear that. We still have a little bit of time here for questions before we head over to the Discord for the after party. So if you you got a couple you want to toss my way, anything left? Only one. Let's do it then. Newt asks, what are the plans for the rest of the Seltzer Pack? Trash or deliberate self-torture? Deliberate self-torture. Yeah, torture. We brought four (laughs) more up in the break. Yeah. (laughs) Newt, you probably knew the answer to that question. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Come on. (laughs) That night when I like powered through the six remaining sessions. Yeah. Well, if those are all the questions that we have, I just want to say thanks to everybody for submitting those questions. And I guess it's time for final jab before we wrap this up. So, Haley, do do we have any? Yes. What do we got? Do we have any? <laughs> Corey says, Steve, I'd give you a final jab, but you put yourself in the nuts harder than I ever could with this pack of seltzers. Yep. She's not sure. wrong. This was a colossal fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> She's absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if I if we did a little bit more homework yesterday or this morning, could have avoided this, but <laughs> really just found out in real time, which you'll hear because <laughs> it's all recorded. Griff and I finding out about this. Yeah, I think these are the official beer brewskis of the uh, Mojo Dojo Casa House. <laughs> 100%. These are the shitty seltzers of the Ken Land patriarchy <laughs> in the third act of <laughs> Barbie. So on that note, I guess, well, Thanks, everybody, for coming out. Let's see. I don't think we have much wrap-up in housekeeping. Obviously, Skull and Shackles is coming. We don't have an announced date for that. But as we get closer, we'll probably start to have some of the crew on the Zone of Truth to start talking about builds and characters and stuff. Besides that, I was recently announced as a guest on an upcoming season of STF and Friends. That's not the next season. That's going to be the season after. I think um, there's going to be a season coming up very shortly where Emily from STF is going to be doing some 5e GMing. And then after that, Adam is going to be GMing myself, Tyler from MinMaxed, Sam from Pot Against the Machine, and oh shoot, I should remember. Somebody else from from STF. I'm I'm very sorry. I, I'm trying to do this. Oh, it was Emily. Yeah, it might be my, okay. STF Emily. Because I remember through. it was like I was like, wow, Adam got uh, our Emily on there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we're gonna be playing a brand new system for me called Traveler Sci-Fi System. I've heard of it. I've never listened to it on a show. I've never played it myself. So I'm very excited. It's gonna be different. But. Stay tuned for that. That's going to be a little ways out. I will definitely let you know when that's happening because I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime. Oh, and I'm doing uh, Ergothoa on uh, 25 North on the God Show. Oh, nice. In, uh, in time for Halloween. 
Rock and roll, man. Pallid Princess. Gotta love it. You gotta come to me for Agatha. Come on. Hell yeah. I guess with that all being said, Griff, is there anything that you want to say to the folks at home before we go to the Drunken Discordly channel for our after party? Nope. Are we still doing finish your drinks on this one? I don't know if that's over. I thought I gave the last one on the live show. I think we're done. Yeah, so... I'm not finishing this drink quickly. Well, we got to say something, because I got to kick it to you, and then you need to kick it back to me. Um, <laughs> fuck off, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off, nerds. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the, I'll show you the banana pack. There's also a, a raspberry pack, which is called Happy Mom. There's a, a fruit punch pack, cherry. Here's the bored ape banana pack. Yeah, I'm over 21. Get out of here. Doesn't that make you want to buy it? Uh, this makes this makes me wonder, like, what? So, what is this podcast? Like, are these guys fucking shilling NFTs and stuff? I wouldn't be terribly surprised what's the name of this podcast what is it uh full send yeah full send podcast um i want to find just like their wikipedia page if they have one because they're apparently kind of big i'd started to look in on that um but i didn't like dive into it before we actually start like let's see what they got on it's all muted instagram no no half a million followers Looks like they're uh, talking about fucking uh, YouTuber boxing. Oh, Yo, here we go. Um, I mean, images. <laughs> Elon Musk, Jake Paul, <laughs> Andrew Tate. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, are they actually on the show? Let's check out the, these images. Uh, um, so Mark Cuban was on it. He's kind of a shitty guy. Uh-oh, there, there's them with Elon. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> what the fuck is Nelk? A, a dude with happy dad. Um, but that appears to be them with Donald Trump. Oh, boy. So this is going uh, to be the, the, <laughs> the douchiest seltzer of all time. I think we're in trouble. <laughs> um, I wish I could just get, like, a fucking description of what this is. Yeah. I, like... Full send podcast Wikipedia. That's, uh, there's there an IMDb. Well, IMDb in my own. Nelk. Okay. Okay, so this came from a YouTube channel. Oh, shit. What? The group has been creators pushing the boundaries of white male privilege to the extreme. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh I no. fucked up. Oh, I no. fucked up bad. Oh, no, Steve. Oh, this is trouble. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh boy! <laughs> oh, oh man! Oh so we, dear! So we, so we have to root for these to be bad. Yeah. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> this, this is bad. really bad. <laughs> oh no! Violating COVID nineteen regulations. I see. Yep met with met, met with Donald Trump. Okay, they were seen to. Dance to the YMCA song with Trump. 
on stage following. In 2020. Uh oh. 2022. Trump was on the podcast. Content and brand. This, oh dear. Andrew Tate was on the podcast. OJ Simpson was on the podcast. Ben, ben Shapiro. Shapiro. Was on the oh, God, Steve. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Oh, dear. We can't be two white men <laughs> saying that the, the, the happy dad drink is good. Thank God we looked this up. Haley. We made a big mistake. A huge mistake. 